I never did like the idea of a cat and dog life anyway. Far ahead with your side of it, and don't be too liberal with the sirs, he added. Keep them for public occasions. Tremaine was silent during the journey. He had indeed no time for speech, for he was busy with the double task of listening intently to all that Inspector Parkin had to say, and of studying the route they were taking as well as the darkness would allow him to do so. At that early hour, the streets were almost empty. There was only the occasional patrolling policeman to be seen. They swept along the broad street lined with gloomy-looking wholesale warehouses and offices that led from the station, over the bridge that gave the city its name, catching a tantalizing glimpse of spidery cranes and the masts and smokestacks of shipping at anchor, and then they were leaping at the imposing hill, flanked by luxury shops, but devoid now of hurrying life, at the head of which stood the university. Bridgeton was a fascinating mixture of the old and the new, of the romantic and the practical. It possessed the sober dignity and the mellowness that go with historical traditions and the bustling activity of a thriving industrial town. Narrow, cobbled streets, in which houses of the Tudor and Elizabethan period still stood and were inhabited, wound deviously at the rear of broad thoroughfares, whose shops, splendid with glass and chromium, were filled with the myriad products of the twentieth century. Inspector Parkin's level, efficient voice, just sufficiently tinctured with the accents of the West Country to be in character, came to Tremaine's ears with the effect of a synchronized soundtrack. The streets through which they were passing were streets along which the dead man must also have passed many times. The irregular facades and the angular buildings etched against the still darkened sky must have been familiar to his eyes. Tremaine stared out at them as the inspector's voice went steadily on. A constable on patrol in the suburb of Druidlee, the outskirts of which they had now reached, had made a routine excursion up the drive of one of the houses on his beat which he had known to be empty, to make sure that no tramp or other unauthorized person had been taking liberties with the premises. He had found that the front door had been opened, and had made a prompt investigation in case whoever had been responsible for such an act of illegality was still in the vicinity. Entering the hall, he had stumbled over the body of a man. By the light of his torch, he had discovered it to be Dr. Hardine. He knew the doctor by sight. He had, in fact, passed him outside his surgery earlier in the evening. Also on the floor of the hall, the constable had observed a fragment of stone, about as long as a man's forearm, and much thicker at one end than at the other. It had evidently been applied with considerable force to the side of the doctor's head. "'Anybody else about?' voice queried. "'Not,' Inspector Parkin said, as far as the constable had been able to tell. He had listened for any sound from inside the house, and had made a quick search with the aid of his torch, without result.' He had then contacted the divisional station from the nearest call-box. "'What kind of chap was this, Hardine?' Boyce asked. "'Was he the sort likely to have had any enemies?' "'Was there the slightest of hesitancies?' before Parkin replied. 
Tremaine half turned his head, trying to discern the expression on the inspector's face, but the interior of the car was too dim. At the moment, Parkin said slowly and as though he found it necessary to pick his words, I wouldn't know. They had left the main road and were traversing the streets of the suburb. They were wide streets, some of them quite imposing avenues lined with trees. Here the houses were big, detached stone edifices, obviously erected during the spacious days of Victorian commercial prosperity. In the gloom they possessed an imposing air of solidity, but Tremaine caught an occasional glimpse of crumbling stone pillars and ragged shrubberies. He saw, too, the scattered notice-boards, discreet enough but plainly revealing that what had once been a family residence was now reduced to acting as an office block. Druidly, it seemed, was no longer the place it had once been.